Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by George Anderson, known to most people as the person who gives them a bit of a boost. Welcome, George. Hey, Amy. How you doing? Lovely to be here. Oh, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on this show. As a fellow podcaster, I know you're going to be a great guest for me because you'll know what makes a great guest, having interviewed so many people yourself as well. Yeah, well, thank you. And uh, no pressure to be a great guest now. But, uh, you know, I, I've learned from the best. I've followed you and your journey through podcasting, certainly this year, and all the assistance you've given me with getting mine off the ground as well back in January, which, uh, I, you know, I'm sure many people say it, but I genuinely mean it. I couldn't have done it without you. So <laughs> it's Aww. great to be here on your show. Well, you know, it's, it's a fantastic show and it really is. It's, it's got a really nice variety of different episodes, some short bite-sized versions and then some longer interview style. So really good. And tell me more about why you created that show. What was the intention of it? You know, it's funny. I've, I've done interviews with people on and off over the years for, for a long, long time. Over the last decade, I'd say, I used to have a YouTube channel, mainly geared around running. And uh, I've had people on my on the wagon Facebook group that I've interviewed. So I've really always really enjoyed that interviewing. And I'm just curious. I just nosy maybe is another word to put a way of putting it. I just like speaking to people and finding out their perspectives and, and their ideas. And um, a couple of years ago, I put it out to my audience and said, oh, you know, I'm thinking of doing a podcast. Bearing in mind that my audience was primarily they got my emails, they they consume my content via the written word or they get my videos. And the majority of people said, nah, I'm not really interested in podcasts. I like video. I like written. All right, I won't, I won't bother with it then. But it kept niggling away at me. And I, I kept seeing more and more people starting podcasts. And thinking, you know, I really, that, that's a good medium for me. I quite like the idea of doing it. So I thought, you know what? I, I, I'm asking people who get things from me in one particular way um, how, what they think about podcasts. Of course, they're going to say, well, we like getting it in the way that we're already getting it. So I thought, well, I'm, I'm looking at maybe appealing to a different audience as well through podcasting. So uh, in the end, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to do it. So I did it. <laughs> and it's really important, actually, to understand who your audience is. And you just very quickly realised, or maybe not so quickly, it took you a little while, a couple of years to realise that actually that audience was served in one way, and yet there was an audience waiting for you to produce something else. Yeah, and I also think over the last two years, I mean, you'll know better than me, but I think podcasting has changed quite a lot in that time. And, uh, you know, I came into it when we were in the middle of the pandemic. And I understand that that actually listening figures had dropped down because people didn't have that commute time where they'd maybe that's the time where they would plug into a podcast. But figures have still been lifting and growing because of the proliferation of people you know, doing podcasts and uh, the amount of amazing content that there is now available out there. So I kind of, I came into it without really knowing that. And, and a lot of the people who perhaps maybe would have said, yeah, not really my thing two, three years ago uh, are now listening to it. And 
you know, I started listening to podcasts. I honestly never really got into podcasts until I started thinking about doing one myself. I thought, well, I suppose I should probably listen to a couple and get some ideas as to the sort of the different styles people had. But I also think maybe that was an advantage that I didn't have this preconceived idea as to this is how a podcast should be done. Oh, I get that. I was exactly the same when I launched my first podcast. I hadn't actually listened to one before I even recorded my own first one. So yeah, guilty with, with you there. But it is interesting. Over 15 years, it took up to it took that long to get up to a, a million podcasts. And here we are now, and we're at just over two and a half million. So in the last year, it, we've had 1.5 million extra podcasts being is created. Right? Mm. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, so, that's incredible. It is incredible. So yes, lockdown has changed the way that we now sort of receive and communicate and deliver messages. So yes, the commute time has dropped, but we've factored in different ways of working and we've now taken on board that we can do our daily walks or chores or, or various other things, our exercises whilst listening to podcasts. It is a very versatile medium. So absolutely, that's that's where the audience is now at. So moving on, what is it that you're up to right now, George? Just enjoying things, Amy. That's um, I remember the last time you asked me that question, I, I went into, it was when, when you interviewed me for my podcast, and I went into the whole, well, this is what I do. I'm a coach. I'm a speaker. I'm a writer. He said, well, that's interesting you answered like that because I asked you what you were doing, not what you were. So I'm going to give you a different answer. I'm going to tell you that I'm just really enjoying the variety of of all of those things, I'm working on some new projects. I'm enjoying working with the clients that this, the, the clients I'm presenting to, my coaching clients, my online programs, um, all around the well-being and performance space. So resilience, mindset, um, stress, energy management, and, and your more fundamental pillars of well-being as well, like diet and exercise, which is kind of my background really for the last 20 years as a as a personal trainer moving away from just the physical into this more of a, uh, like I said, a holistic well-being approach. And um, yeah, one of the things I wrote down at the beginning of this year, I, you know, I had all my goals mapped out. This is what I want to achieve. But, but actually one of the other things that I wrote down was I don't want to feel rushed. So I knew that because of the way I'm wired for better or for worse, I tend to be the I know it's a bit of a cliche now a human doing rather than a human being I, I kind of I like to to be doing stuff all of the time and sometimes I found especially last year throughout the summer and uh, sort of into the early part of the autumn if I wasn't doing something I, I felt like you know like well what's the point of me like I should be doing stuff every moment of the day it has to be mapped out I have to be creating or connecting or whatever and it's just like, it was just too much. And I think that a lot of people have been, have sort of had a similar realization perhaps and have realized that, that there's real magic in just those moments in between the doing where you just sit there and sit back and observe or just allow yourself to just be, literally just to be without the stress of feeling like you should be doing something at that time. And so I kind of, I, I set out this year with the intention of not feeling rushed to, to be okay with that, that space between stuff. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm getting on okay with that. Um, there's probably more I could do. I'm sometimes I'm, I'm doing probably more than I should be doing. Sometimes I have busy days and I'm okay with that. But what I don't want is every day to be just ridiculously busy, bang, 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 this to that, to that. 
Um, and so then all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness, where did the month go? Where did the year go? And I've stopped and paused and just enjoyed where I'm at at the moment without tamping down the drive I have to create a better future. And who or what has instigated that change of slowing the pace of, of recognizing to be in the more in the moment? Uh, well, last year I started doing a little bit of Qigong. Actually, that was one of the things that uh, that really helped. I, I also think that just noticing that I was, you know, there were fewer opportunities, weren't there, to be doing things. And, and everything I was doing was just in front of a screen. I remember a couple of times finishing a presentation that which had gone really well, great engagement, everyone, you know, seemingly enjoying the session and getting stuck into it. It's a really good positive experience. Finishing it off, closing the laptop down, and sitting there and this crashing silence coming in and, and that wave of not enoughness or kind of anxiety. It's difficult to explain it, Andy, but it was very much something that I, I noticed, whereas maybe it was there before, but it was I'd maybe be doing something in one place and then going somewhere else. I didn't have the chance to notice it. So I started to notice it more. And that's where I came across uh, Qigong, a bit like Tai Chi, very sort of mindful very, very the antithesis of my usual training style, which is very kind of head headstrong, gung ho, all out fitness, push myself to the you know my eyes are bleeding or whatever, and and so qigong really sort of forced me to slow down, and it was it was a real revelation. I don't do so much of it now, but I I, I brought a lot of those elements with me, and um, beyond the the formal practice of it, and, and I think it was just really. It was just out of necessity more than anything um, to, to, to find that slowing down. Because if I hadn't, um, then, you know, I might have you know, started to enjoy what I do a lot less, which would have been ironic considering my main subject is things like how to thrive, managing your energy, your mental health. And, you know, sort of felt like I needed to really be upping my own game and practicing what I preach a lot more uh, avidly. And it's really impactful that closing down the laptop and because normally or who knows what normal is anymore but when you would have been in an office environment you'd be delivering it in person you would then have a couple of people to speak to that afterwards someone would come up to you and then you'd be going walking through a, a particular office or the, the way you've been presenting and then you'd be commuting and then you'd be traveling back and there'd be lots more engagement all the way and you said that there was that that moment of just silence and it was just like close the laptop and really finite there yeah and it's not even that it was deadly silent I mean this is back in a time where kids were homeschooling so I can tell you what there wasn't much silence in this house for a few months there but 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 yeah it was that it was very sudden like you close the laptop down, as you described exactly, if you're presenting in person, you have a few people to speak to, you can grab a coffee, maybe you, you know, you, you mill around a little bit, you're even just packing down your gear and getting in the car or getting in the taxi to go back to the train station. There's, there's something that you then move and do, and you're sort of focused on that next bit. Whereas there's a huge temptation, I think, and this is one of the things that I've had many, many conversations with corporate clients and coaching clients over the last year or so, is like you jump from one task to the next without taking a break, without taking a pause for breath even. It's like, well, I finished that. And because I can, I'm here already. Now I'm going to finish off that report. And I'll finish that. I'll quick, quickly jump on a Zoom call with another client. Um, and then I'm going to quickly do. 
and and we never take that pause and so we sometimes it feels like we're running around all day with our sort of hair on fire trying to you know do all of these things get through our to-do list and you get to the end of the day and you think well what have i actually done because you've been reacting the whole day and, and i think that for me that that was partly driven by this this fear if you will of that silence and so i try to fill it with stuff you know you feel, we fill it with our phones right you pick up your phone as soon as you finish on a screen and you look quick check of messages or you know people have been in touch or people haven't been in touch that makes you feel a certain way and you go through the loop check linkedin check facebook check instagram check a whatsapp check the news website go back to linkedin da, 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 da. and it's it's exhausting it's exhausting so i just yeah, I just found I needed to have that that pause, and and when I and it still happens now, I still recognise, I still kind of get that sometimes that silence and that discomfort with it. But when I notice that, I'm much better at just riding it out and sitting with it without necessarily feeling like I have to respond by filling that void. So yeah, it's it's made a it's kind of been quite a profound experience and, and i'm glad that i've been through it in, in that respect because uh, it's something i'm able to then share my experiences with others when i'm teaching on you know or on these these topics about well-being and um you know you get a lot of nodding heads in the room or in the, even on a, a zoom screen you get a lot of people saying oh you know yeah that's that's been my experience as well so it's good to be able to relate uh, from a first-hand point of view and that fear of silence you, you're, you're describing there and then there's obviously always the internal chat how mm-hmm. have you how's that worked for you that more recently in the last year your own self-talk yeah I think I've always been reasonably um mindful and aware self-aware of the the, the constant conversation that's going on in my mind and um I'm, I'm pretty good at sort of separating out the the, the, the conversation from the observation of the conversation. So I can kind of step back and you know, I know you've done your NLP. You're just finishing off your ma- your master prac, aren't you, at the moment? Yeah, I've done that, yeah. Very good, very good. So I did practitioner and that was a real sort of eye-opener for me a few years ago. And then I really started studying the Enneagram as well, which I'm sure you've come across that too. And uh, so those different types, the Enneagram types. And so I kind of realized and got to know myself a little bit better through reading and exploring the, the, the Enneagram. And, uh, you know, my type is very much wired towards do, do, do. I'm, I'm a three if, uh, if, if you're familiar with it. But it's, um, it's one thing being aware of that in a talk and another thing being able to actually cut in on it. Um, and one of the ways that I've always found to be most um some powerful for this is through journaling, which again, I know you're a big fan of journaling yourself. You've got a pretty good journaling streak under your belt, Amy, haven't you? What's your, what number of days are you up oh, to now with your journaling streak? Do you know, it's it's about, I'm just trying to remember, it's about 1670 something. Yeah, wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not on any kind of streak, but it's, so, it's certainly something that has been incredibly helpful to me. And whenever I feel like I'm being, um, you know, overwhelmed with those voices, even if they're just, it's just the, the the constant noise that they make. And the escape for me is to try and track some of those and to write them down, to notice what I'm noticing about the way it makes me feel when I read it back to myself and to actually create some of that space between the voice and, as I said, the, the observational point of view. And, and, and that really, really helps. I think people don't realize how how valuable it is to to not even look for the solutions 
to 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 try and fix it, but just to observe and to to kind of gather together this information. There's a great quote. I think it's called the Zen theory of change, where it goes, uh, "I free myself not by trying to free myself, but by noticing when I am imprisoning myself in the moment that I am imprisoning myself." So just noticing that, oh, this is these are the thoughts I'm having, these are the beliefs I'm having. Right? How do I challenge that? How do I change that? Instead of doing that, just noticing. And even that then creates this separation. It's like prying open the bars of a prison. And then you end up, all of a sudden, you're on the other side as the observer. And it's incredibly liberating and so simple to do. you just got to take the time and you know, maybe release some of the expectations that you might have of journaling and mindfulness and all of those things. And just, just play around with it and uh, notice what you notice. And that leap or that sort of evolution from working on the physical to the holistic side of things, how has that evolved for you? It's been a gradual thing. Uh, I was a trainer. Um, I kind of got into it, actually. I finished a, I did a degree in engineering, a master's degree, so five years at Loughborough. And when I was at Loughborough, I, it was a very big sporty university as well. So when I was doing that, the master's, I also... I was running 400 meters on the track and I started, I did my gym and personal training qualifications. So when I left university, I knew I didn't want to go into engineering. So personal training was the natural draw for me. And, and it was all about the physical. This is like 20, 20 years ago now. So it was all about like lose weight, tone up, get fit, get healthy. How, what do I eat? What do I, how do I exercise? Um, how, you know, improve my sleep patterns or whatever. And it pretty quickly dawned on me the realization that it didn't matter. I could give someone the best diet in the world. I could give them the perfect training program, but they weren't doing it. <laughs> they do it when they were with me, uh, but then they'd go away and they'd come back and say, oh, I'm really sort of embarrassed to say, oh, I haven't, you know, I haven't stuck to it. And I scratched my head thinking, well, why not? Because to me as an athlete, so well, obviously, you know, someone tells me you do this, you train like this, you eat like this, you'll get the results that you want. Right. I'll go and do those things. Um, but but that's not the that's not the response of most people, right? Um, and I think most people listening to this podcast will will relate to that. It's like, well, I know what to do, but I just don't do it. Is the cry of every broken diet uh, or dieter or exercise program that just didn't last beyond the the first week or the first month. So I, I got really interested in behavior change and mindset, and you know, I was always into that kind of stuff myself. Um, if, in fact, um, uh, this is this is a book that I'm holding up, uh, The Human Brain, by a, a guided tour by Susan Greenfield. I happen to have this book next to me because I was flicking through it the other day. It's one of the very first books that I, I read on sort of the, the body and the and, and it's not really personal development, but it's that understanding as to how we operate. And I read that when I was at university, and um, just because I was interested in it. So I've always had this fascination and been intrigued by. Now, what makes us tick, what makes us motivated, but I only really applied it to me. So I started to just to make this shift to, away from just the physical towards the, well, well, how can I help people create better habits? Um, probably about 15, 16 years ago, I started to make this shift. And um, you know, I mentioned the NLP, sort of got into that, gradually moved away from personal training as I left Reading. I was at a fitness first in Reading and I moved away to uh, Tame where I'm, I'm just up the road from there now uh, near Oxford and uh, a little bit of personal training, started a boot camp, which was a bit more holistic, but still very much focused on the physical. And just over time, I, I started to 
get more and more into the uh, the, the the mindset, the performance. Uh, and I was doing a lot more work online as well, which made it easier for me to share some of these ideas, combine that with the NLP, combined it with some other neuroscience coaching work that I'd been doing at the time and you know all of the other myriad books that I've been reading. And, and I just, that's just what I was interested in. That's what was making me excited. And, um, you know, I, I was, I wanted to explore it more. I wanted to learn about it more for myself. And I wanted to share that with other people as well, because it was making a you know dramatic change in, in, in my life, as I described there with the events of the last year and how I sort of managed that. You know, I've been sharing those ideas with others as well. So I guess it's just been a very gradual evolution rather than right now I'm going to shift over and be a mindset coach or a performance coach. And what makes you tick and motivates you now, George? You know, I, I just love learning new stuff. I love um, reading. I love, uh, I like reading fiction. I'm currently trying to read every Jack Reacher novel. Um, oh, I this love year. Jack Reacher. I've read them all three times <laughs> minimum, and I'm going through all, all from one to 10. I'm about halfway through the 10th book at the moment. I want to get there before November when the next one is published, the 25 of them, I think. Anyway, but apart from the fiction, uh, I, I just love reading uh, books about the brain, about personal development, about physiology, neurobiology, psychology, all of these different things that I'm I'm interested in. And I'm. it's like, oh, there's just not enough hours in a day for me to absorb this information. So I'm also interested interested in how we learn. And one of the best things for me to do to really embed my learning is to teach it, to, to share it, to kind of share, this is what I've learned, this is what I'm doing. So I've got various groups that I, I do this with and I'm trying to formalize it. And actually one of the things that I'm working on at the moment that I'm just so excited about, even though it feels like a backward step, you know, I just talked about how I've evolved away from the physical. Um, one of the things that will never go away and I'll never stop being interested in, as I said, around behavior change, the vast majority of people who go to a personal trainer, they want to lose weight, tone up, get fit, right? So how do you lose weight? The weight loss thing is such a, it's such a head scratcher, right? Because you think, well, I sh- if I just do this, if I move around a bit more, if I eat a bit less, then I should lose weight. That's that's kind of the usual approach to things. And it's kind of true, but it doesn't always work. So I thought, why not? And so I've been looking into the physiology and the neuroscience, or not just the neuroscience, but like the, where the brain works and the endocrine system, the hormones, how it accelerates or puts the brakes on fat loss or weight gain and different stages of our lives and how, we, how it all changes. So I'm actually putting together a program <laughs> It's, it, the working title is probably going to be the uh, the eventual title. It's called the flap. <laughs> I, I, I moved. Away. I, I hesitated to call it the flab, though someone suggested I should do. But the flap, the fat loss accelerator program, um, and it's all about uh, the different things that you can do with your behaviors, with the foods that you eat, or perhaps eat a lot, eat less of exercise protocols, the things that you can overlay to your existing approach to accelerate the results that you get. Um, and uh, I'll be I'm putting that together to launch it in September, but just, just new things, Amy. Your question was like, what makes me excited? You can probably tell by how wildly I'm gesticulating and the, the, my tone of voice. I love all of this stuff. I just love new stuff, um, but I'm also very kind of committed to not being a starter without the completer bit at the end, which is again, my tendency sometimes. So starting things and being really clear that this is what I want to do, having a vision of how I want it to work out and then just going for it. 
um, and seeing things through from from start to finish. So yeah, that that's that's one of the things certainly that makes me tick at the moment. And what's the the big mission? What's the why behind everything you're doing? Yeah, I work with a coach who's actually a very good friend of mine uh, uh, on and off over the years. And a few years ago, probably about maybe eight or nine years ago, we were going through like, well, what's the purpose? What's the the big mission? The why, as you as you put it. And and, and she we wrote it down actually, or she wrote it down as well as we were going through it, just like distilled it down to a number of small number of parts. And and it's it's probably evolved slightly from there, but but I can always remember it. It's to inspire people to take more action so that they can thrive more in their lives. It's for me, it's about making a difference. It's about doing doing stuff, whether it's me living, you know, partly by example, partly sharing, being a you know, a purveyor of information, uh, trying to not just motivate people, but to empower people um, to to want to take action, to do things differently. Now we can have all the ideas in the world, but if we don't actually do things differently or think differently, then nothing really changes. So it's all about how do we thrive? What are some of the things that we can do to thrive? How can I help you move from where you are now to where you work closer to where you want to be, if not all the way? Um, so that you do feel like you are empowered with that information and you can you have the tools you have the resources you have the belief and then it actually does make a difference and you feel better in your life and that's not just professionally i've got three kids and i, I try and do the same thing there as well and um not in a you know competitive dad kind of way like right let's i'm going to inspire you and make speeches and stuff but just to be there for them and to support them and to you know, encourage them and to, to challenge them as well, maybe with some of the things that they say and they think and believe. Um, and it's been really interesting actually going through, the, you know, as, as a father, as they go to different ages and stages of their lives, um, actually seeing my approach needing to change slightly or a lot as they go through that. But that's just really to say that this whole purpose, it's not just my purpose with what I do for my job. It's like, that's just how I feel about why I'm here in the first place. That's why I didn't go down the route of the route of engineering. You know, I had a, a really good degree from a great university. And a lot of my contemporaries were getting fantastic jobs, uh, not just in engineering, but in consulting, um, in investment banking, because they were looking for those analytical minds. Uh, I was like, you know what, that's not, it's not what I want to do. And I knew that the risk I, I couldn't afford to take would have been to, well, I'll just do it for a few years. I'll just pay off those student debts. I'll just get some money behind me and then I'll go back to doing the things that I wanted to do. Cause I knew for me, that would be a recipe for an unhappy life, uh, a very, um, you know, driven by something other than my sense of purpose, which though I hadn't fully articulated back then when I was, you know, early twenties, I still had a, an innate sense that that was what I really wanted to be doing. And where did that insight come from? Because that's a strong push against the, the sort of the flow of where everybody else is, is going. Yeah, well, you mean when I was at university and making yeah. that decision to, yeah. to, to change tack? Well, actually, it wasn't that hard because I, as a part of my degree, it was five years because there was this year in the middle, a year in industry, uh, a placement year. And, and it was whilst I was doing that that I realised this ain't for me. And I knew that the job that I'd got wasn't really, a, you know, an example of what engineering would be or could be like. I knew that there were many, many different ways around it, but it just, just everything about it, 
wasn't wasn't right for me. I, I I like engineering. I like the logic. I like the the security and the safety and the certainty of what, something's right or it's wrong. Like you give me a a maths problem, and I like working through maths problems because there's an answer at the end, and you can't say, well, yeah, that's that's almost right. That's kind of it because it's right or it's wrong. It's black and white, and I, I like that. Um, but but actually, what I found was translating that to the real world. We're in a, in proper engineering situations. You know, I was running a uh, a fuel economy rig on a test bed engine. We're testing different fuel oils, uh, fuel additives, and oil additives, and it really was as tedious as it, as I made it sound there um, for for a whole year. There were a few other bits, and I enjoyed the year in principle, but mainly because it made me realize that this wasn't for me. Because actually, all the all the theory didn't always map over to reality. It was it was messy. It was there were other factors that that weren't encapsulated on these nice, neat, tidy equations, and you know, I guess that's life, right? That's just what it's like. And um, and and, and I realised that well, if I'm going to have sort of messiness, then I'm going to do it on my own terms, and uh, engineering isn't going to be the space for me to to play in. So um, I decided actually on my year out that that wasn't going to be what I did. And, you know, it didn't take much persuasion to, to to stick out the last two years of the course. Um, but uh, you know, maybe a, you know, who knows? A wiser a choice might have been to have just sacked it off and gone and done something different anyway. But you know, I feel like I came out of it with a degree, and I mention it wherever I can, just because my mum and dad paid for five years of university, and I was like, well, <laughs> gotta feel like I owe them something for that. <laughs> Wasn't a complete waste. So you mentioned earlier the the Zen theory of change, and you talked about the the imprisonment and the, and versus the freedom. And I'm just wondering whether that is something that's important to you, the freedom element. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I love the idea of not just the idea, but living life by a set of core values as well. And um, you know, I think if we all have three or four core values that we we really understand and we know are important to us, and, and it gives us a framework if we will to live our lives by as, as our best selves, rather than just you know kind of hoping and not respond to that gut feeling that we're either off course or. Uh, or things that we can do to get us on course. And actually freedom for me is one of those core values. Um, it, it wasn't in the top three, it's now kind of being sort of, sort of fourth, because it's sort of a bring it into harmony as well, but it's a separate thing all by itself as well. So freedom is, you know, I work for myself, I work with other people, I'm a member of various teams and different organizations that I work with. I don't believe any of us only ever really do work for ourselves. We always work with clients, for example. Um, so, but having the freedom to choose, having the freedom to um, to decide, you know what, I'm interested in this subject, therefore I'm going to research it, I'm going I'm to explore it. You know what, there's an opportunity here to create a program that could have an impact, that could help people who are scratching their heads about why they can't lose weight, even though they've got a calorie deficit, for example. So that that for me is is freedom. Um, and you know, there are lots of different definitions, but that's a that's been a really really big part of what's been driving me over the years and even when it's been really difficult and you know I haven't been making it work uh which you know as a, as a freelance personal trainer which is how it all started off yes it's very much feast and famine you think you're doing all right and all of a sudden it's like all well, your clients have left or gone on holiday and you're left with no money coming in for a couple of weeks so it can be a little bit challenging sometimes but um that that idea of kind of coming back to i'm still uh, it's, it's it's on me you know, I, I get the, the risk is there, but the rewards are there as well. And I get to choose how I'm going to get out of this particular hole. Um, 
and you know you surround yourself with enough good people and you you get advice from people who can help and support you as well and um and you realize that actually you're not on your own so it's the free freedom for me is uh is is one of the core values as i said and i think um it's probably important for most people right but it's not necessarily articulated in a way that we think right this is how i'm going to go ahead and live today to really embrace that sense or that value of of freedom and what other core values guide you through life george uh ambition is 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 one of them and again that's not just a you know success at all costs type ambition it's a it's it's an ambition towards um new things towards uh greater heights greater challenges and and also as a parent as a friend uh with kind of other hobbies and pursuits that i i have and physical challenges too uh so ambition is one and uh, i mentioned harmony and the other one which we've also already touched on is make a difference mm. and i was thinking of it as um and, and you must get this as well amy with the podcast and the amazing work you do and how widely um shared your work is i was thinking of it as dropping a pebble into a pool of water and the ripples radiate out and, and you never you'll never know how far those ripples radiate and it always makes me smile when occasionally i'll get an email back from somebody and the email will start off something like hi george um i've i've been getting your emails for the last 10 years you've never heard of me you've never heard of me before or i've never responded but i felt like i just needed to tell you you know what difference this has made or you know, your messages are made or they'll tell me about their daughter or their friend who they've shared the message with who has then made a big difference in their lives and you know I, I i like to believe and think that there are others out there who maybe don't get in touch with me and, and tell me that explicitly but it's still making a difference and you drop that pebble in the ra- ripples radiate out and it goes somewhere and i don't i don't need necessarily to know of every impact every change every difference that that what i do or what i say is making but just the belief that it it is having that kind of impact that drives me on as well yeah i'm with you there and and you give me goosebumps when you just say that because it really is that just knowing that your work is being received and and that it, it may create or instigate a change somewhere that's going to make a huge positive impact on someone's life and and it's, it's fantastic i want to go back to that feeling rushed or not feeling rushed and yet you're creating an accelerator program. There's almost a paradox in there. I just wanted to sort of see how that fits with you. Yeah, well, the rush thing is about, for me anyway, it's about sort of taking the time and having the space. The uh, You could almost argue that the, the fat loss accelerator program is still in line with that because you get better results for doing less. So then you've got this time or you've got this space. And, and actually, again, having worked with, clients who whether that's their primary objective or not but it, for a lot of people it's quite an important thing you know to, to to lose weight um and you know whether it's for health reasons or just aesthetic reasons and and actually it it's it's incredibly um consuming of the mental bandwidth that so many of us have to be constantly thinking about it to be worrying about it or can i eat this how many calories are in that and well i should do that or if i have that i'll have to go and do an hour in the gym to burn it off and and that that kind of conversation for a lot of people what i want to do with this program is to actually educate the with with what's really happening inside with it's not just about well the calories say the 
500 calories on, on in this thing and this meal. And uh, I know that I burn this number of calories in a day. Therefore, I can have five of these or whatever. Like I, I want to lift the lid and, and sort of explain what's really happening inside of our bodies and then create some uh, or, or empower people to, to use some tools to start doing things either differently or to at least understand what's happening when they are doing what, what they're doing. You know, talking about freedom there, one of the biggest challenges with the weight loss industry, the, the, the fitness industry as well, is that it's very much about imposing boundaries and restricting freedom. And I think that's why so many people push back against it, can handle it for a short while. But even if it's yourself saying, I can't have that, I'm not allowed to eat that. If I have that, then I have to go to the gym uh, for, or go for a run to, to burn it off. And, and it's incredibly draining to, to live your life like that, though some people do. But I think there's a better way. And I think if, if I can help people to create a little bit more space in their mind, that to me is the same thing as the, the don't rush um, kind of mantra that I came up with at the beginning of this year, uh, not just for me, but to kind of share that with others as well. I think that program, you're right, it sounds a bit paradoxical, um, but it's uh, it's but perhaps perhaps we better think about it as releasing the brakes rather than pressing the gas <laughs> a little bit more. So where is your curiosity taking you next, George? Well, I, as I mentioned, the podcast is something that I'm really, really enjoying. And just the variety of guests that I'm getting on and and getting to speak to, that, that that's going to be a constant source of, um, you know, a way for me to uh, you know, see out my curiosity, if you will. Um, and, and just listening to other podcasts, listening to, uh, I've never really been into autobiographical podcasts or books or stories but I'm actually starting to you know kind of look at some of those stories maybe not the full story but listening to people about how they've done it because well that's right for them because you're an elite athlete or you're a CEO it's like well you know what can I learn because my situation is so different but actually I'm sort of learning that there are things that we can take away from all sorts of situations um I interviewed um the, the lovely lady uh Danielle Brown she's a double um Paralympic gold medalist, got gold in Beijing, gold at the, the London Games as well. She's competed on the able-bodied team as well in archery. And uh, just chatting to her last week, and I published that episode this week, just there's so much in that. Things, not even necessarily new theory, but just how somebody's applying it in, in, the, in that context, in that sort of elite sport context, and how translatable that is. So I think I think there's so much to be gained from just conversations, even if you're not a podcaster, right? We can always learn something from other people, interactions that we have. And, uh, you know, Touchwood will be getting those interactions back into our lives a little bit more in the coming months. And uh, I think just being able to glean as much from them as possible, just asking those questions. Like, like you're a wonderful interviewer. You ask great questions. You listen you know, I imagine probably through the lens of curiosity yourself as well, right? So I want to know more about that. I don't care what my listeners are interested in. I'm interested in that. And it just so happens that your listeners are also interested in it. So um, I think I think more more of us could probably benefit from that as well. Certainly it's it's something that's really, really driving me is that curiosity of how other people are doing things, what their take and perspectives are on things. Um, and as I said, just continually learning and growing from 
the literature, from the research, and in a whole variety of different um, different topics. And you're absolutely right. There's so much to be taken from those interviews. And, and that's exactly why I, I intersperse my sort of every five interviews with my reflections and observations episodes. And I appreciate that they are my biased takeaways, that I have got my own filters and my own lens that I see three things through. But for me, what, what it's doing is, is just opening up opportunities for other people to reflect, to not take things at superficial level, to see how they can then take what they've heard into their own lives. And that's why I love the medium of podcasting, because it is the ability to to listen to someone's story, but play your own movie yourself and apply it to your own journey. Yeah, I don't know, what do you think it is? Is it that there's the lack of visual stimulation helps with that do you think because i've i i absolutely agree and you mentioned there that sort of you play your own movie across the top of the information and other people's stories and you sort of play yourself into it and you look at how it can translate i find it easier to do that with podcasts than i do watching videos which is interesting isn't it like i wonder if yeah. it's the 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 refinement of the stimulation and that with that particular medium that, that helps with books? that when you've got books as a medium, you have the author will give you a description so that you can picture that scenario. So they'll they'll give you a lot of descriptive language and paint that picture for you. And if you're watching a video, it's there. You can see the scenario. Whereas with the auditory, you're taking things very much at face value. You don't have a huge amount of other cues to go with. So you then fill in a lot of gaps. And I think that's what happens is, yes, and they are going to be your own gaps. So everybody's going to be listening to an episode with their own filters, with their own historic uh, events that they are then playing out. So that's what I think is, is so great and so creative about this particular medium. Yeah, well, I'm just glad I discovered it when I did. <laughs> <laughs> so, George, it's been fantastic hearing all about why you do what you do. How would people get in contact with you? Where's the best way to find you? Well, my, my website is bygeorgeanderson.com. Uh, that's B-Y, George Anderson. So I, think, so I think subliminally, maybe there's the by George, by George. But anyway, so bygeorgeanderson.com and then just searching for a bit of a boost, the, the podcast as well on all major channels, as uh, you so um, expertly taught me back in January. <laughs> Get it out there. Absolutely. I'll make sure they all go in the show notes so people can get in hold of you. George, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. How would you like to leave this episode today? Well, I think if there was one piece of advice that uh, I would like to leave people with, it's it's what I've seen over the last 20 years. As I mentioned, as a personal trainer, people wanted to lose weight, turn up and get fit. And they'd look at the diet and the exercise as a way to do that. Now I'm very much more uh, an advocate of looking at the, the impact that the changes you make or the uh, the actions you take on those physical well-being um, pillars if you will have on how you feel and how you perform right now so make that connection between what you eat how you move how you sleep how you keep yourself hydrated and your mood your optimism your level of hope your motivation your energy levels over the next few hours not just the next few months Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. 
I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrollinson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.